0: Welcome to Behavioral Grooves. My name is Kurt Nelson. And I'm Tim Houlihan. Behavioral Grooves explores why we do what we do with long-form interviews with researchers and practitioners. And sometimes an accidental behavioral scientist thrown in. (laughs) Yes, we do. And sometimes we have a grooving session on behavioral science topic, and that's what we're up to in this episode. But before we get to our topic, we would like to remind you of our Patreon subscription site at www.patreon.com forward slash behavioral grooves. The numbers are growing and we'd like you to be a part of the wave. Wave? Really? I think it's more like a ripple, more like a ripple. Okay. Maybe it's not a roller or a bombora or a kahuna, but <laughs> what? Oh, those are all monster waves. <laughs> oh, okay,
1: like you are a uh, you know surfer dude that understands this. Way to way to
0: look that up on Google right before this. Here we go. <laughs> but if you measure it, there is at least a little swell or an undulation, which might be called a wave. <laughs> Everything's relative, right? Okay. okay. Moving on. All right. All right. Moving on. Okay. So so Kurt, what are we focused on today? We saw an article in the Wall Street Journal
1: titled, When Workers Can Live Anywhere, many ask, why do I live here? And it got us thinking about a couple of things. First, this is a time when millions of workers are displaced from their office and may never return. And during a pandemic, many people are leaving big cities where the virus has been
0: most aggressive. Yeah, there is data showing that many people are leaving big cities where the virus has struck hardest, and it got us thinking about people making permanent moves because of what's happening, like leaving the big city for good. We were also reminded of
1: the biases that were involved in predicting our future happiness, which goes hand
0: in hand with changing where you live. Yeah, the piece was written by Rachel Feinzeig and Ben Eisen and does a great job of assembling data on movement during the heart of the crisis and reminds us that even when a major recession is hitting the global economy, many people still feel the need to move. So we thought we would
1: explore these topics in this episode. All right, Tim, where are we going to start?
0: Well, let's start with the facts from the article. How about okay. that, right? Sounds okay. good. So, uh, and and something we know about human evolution is that humans are migratory, right? Uh, we've got data now showing that people are leaving town, at least in part, you know, uh, for you know, sort of a respite from the, from the city environments. Temporarily uh, leaving and not yeah. necessarily leaving for good, but at least right. getting out and away from the city. Okay, and that and that has doubled during the height of the lockdowns. So, okay. so, we got data on that. And there have been complaints from, you know, a lot of small cities that like their local, local medical centers could have been overrun for fear of someone from the city bringing the virus to the small town. And so, there's, there's, this has been a, a big issue for a lot of small towns that are sort of retreats. Right? And we've seen in
1: the news people... You know, chopping down trees to block the road, going into some of these small resort towns and other things like that. So yes. they have been trying to push back on
0: that. However, we're also seeing people actually pick up safes and move. Yes. Right? They're actually like they're buying sight unseen in places like Boise, Idaho. They're yeah. not even having to drive there. They're just buying over the Internet. Uh, I was talking with my
1: neighbor the other day, and we live in in Minneapolis in the city, and she had, this was probably a few weeks ago now, kind of when the whole staying in place uh Craziness had just gotten, and she had gone and visited her sister, who lives kind of out in the country uh and said it was the best half day and she said, There's a place next to her that's a for sale i and i I've never thought about leaving the city but i I thought about buying this place yeah. and yeah. Uh, and she was really serious about it, and then we talked to her just the other day, and she said, oh, that was a fast passing phase but um <laughs> <you laughs> okay. i I'm, I'm here I'm here but but there is that reality, right people have gone through staying at home in shelter places, feeling cooped up, um, you know, if they can work from anywhere, uh, why are we stuck here in a city, as you said, where the virus is pretty prevalent and, you know, going out in the country or going to a smaller city might feel, might seem like a really good idea.
0: Yeah. And and at least because they've got some kind of motivation that indicates to them that, life might be better somewhere else right that that it it it's good now but it could be better or maybe it sucks now it could be better maybe <laughs> I maybe I, I don't know and that gets us into the psychology of this right right how do we make decisions right that that that's the fundamental and and the first thing that that we look at is decision utility the way that we weight things you know that we we come up with a list and then we say well this is more important than something else ah. and right which is a, a it's a good way to make decisions and yet is the grass greener on the other side of the fence right
1: <laughs> more dogs over there peeing and making a yellow spots maybe not but you know are there less
0: dogs and it's greener i don't know but i'm going to i'm going to make some judgments about that and some of those judgments might be uh might be influenced by what i remember or like You know, people saying, I want to move to California because, man, when I visited, it was awesome. Like I I was in Napa Valley and man, that place is so cool. Or, you know, I went to Disneyland and that was fantastic. Or that Guggenheim Museum. That was wonderful. And, And this is a problem that when we're using our remembered utility, that it's not always very accurate.
1: Well, we've talked about memory and the malleability of memory over time. And as you said, the utility that we remember, uh, it goes back to you talk about running a marathon, right? And you talk about, well, in the midst of running a marathon at mile 19, if you ask, how is this? You're going to be not really great, right? For most people, it sucks. But, you know, two days afterwards and a month after even after that, that marathon was fantastic because you finished it, it's done, but you don't remember the moment of being in it. And I I reference, you know, camping trips that we've done where it rained half the time. And, you know, during the rain, it's being stuck in a tent. It really sucked and mosquitoes and all that crap. But afterwards, it's like, whoa, that was awesome. Well, <laughs> even,
0: even though when you were there, it was miserable. <laughs> even though
1: when you're there, it was miserable, but you overcame it, right? And you survived. And thus, it takes on a different memory part and a different utility within your brain, as you said. So, if you're making your utility, your decision utility decisions based upon this memory of a time when you were in a place, A, the memory is malleable. But also, too, you have to remember if you're visiting a place for a short time on vacation, you're in vacation mode which is a very different mode than living mode. And so to put that same thing, I mean, all the examples you brought up of like going to Napa and the Guggenheim and and Disneyland, you're not doing those day in and day out when you're living in a place, right? It's like you you only do that when visitors come and then you take them to
0: those places um, to, to go visit. Well, and that brings us to the focusing illusion. You know, Danny Kahneman's work on the focusing illusion is is how, you know, we get caught up in focusing on something and then we think that that really is the most important thing. And, you know, the, the classic study of talking to Californians and, and saying, well, what would it be like if you moved to Michigan and talking to people in Michigan and saying, well, what, what do you think it'd be like to live in California? And everybody in Michigan said, yeah, man, living in California would be great. Even even the Californians said, oh, yeah, living in in California is definitely better than living in Michigan. But when when you look at subjective well-being, they're actually about the same. Yeah. What was
1: it that I think Kahneman said? The the reason is that 99% of the stuff of life, relationships, work, home, recreation is the same no matter where you live.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So... So we get caught up in this.
1: We we right. get caught up in this. You know, the focusing illusion also, doesn't that take into account that right now we are so scared about COVID and and everything that goes around it, that, that we're super focused, hyper focused in on that. And this idea of going off and living in a country where we can have miles of, of separation from other people is very desirable now. But that's now, right? We don't necessarily it's change. Take, yeah, we don't necessarily take in account um. That hey, in two years, I probably won't be focused in on you know a virus. At least keep our fingers crossed. We won't be yeah. focused in on on the virus as such.
0: Well, and this future aspect gets to kind of reminds us of Dan Gilbert, doesn't it? To, to oh my way. gosh.
1: Yeah, Dan Gilbert talks about happiness and this this happiness fallacy that uh, if I only do this, that will make me happy. And we have a very poor track record of being able to predict <laughs> what is going to make us happy. Right. The idea that we are self-aware enough to really understand the nuances and the elements that drive our happiness is a falsity. We we are not really good at that. So he's done lots of studies where asking people and then going back and looking at them 10 years later. And, you know, then they're saying, oh, if I only got up to $80,000 in salary, I will be super happy. And then they got to $80,000. And then it was like, oh, no, I need to be $150,000 to be really yeah, happy because exactly. that'll get me everything. And we tend to over focus on things like money, on the house that we have, on the car that we drive, and to a certain degree, moving probably takes some of that, the ideal this this element that we have in our head of moving to some place. We get a brand new house, we get to live in a, you know a, a wilderness or some other type of aspect that may not have as much actual utility. Uh, the economic type of utility that that we're, we're talking, which is basically happiness as the perceived utility that it would bring.
0: Absolutely. And that reminds me of Dan Butner's work when he he wrote recently about people living in Denmark and uh, that the people in Denmark have the highest level of happiness of any country in the world, just, just bar none, right? And yet they are taxed at like their marginal tax rate is 70%, 70%. Very, very high. And, and the weather there is not all
1: that great. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, we have good friends that live in Denmark. We visited there. We were there for about a week and a half. And, um, you know, sunshine, uh, wasn't every day. And it wasn't, a uh, beautiful, nice, uh, California Southern California weather it, it is a northern European you know kind of gloomy sometimes cold in the winter and you know hot in the summer kind of place so the that, that being said you you bring up this idea that you know people in Denmark are much happier that they have this this peace and and what is it about that and I think one of the things that we uh, tend to not talk about, and this goes back to some of the Dan Gilbert stuff and various different pieces. But when you move, uh, you have to reestablish a whole new set of friends, a whole new set of people that you interact with day in and day out, and and for some people they're going, oh, that's not a big deal, and maybe for some it isn't. But I think we we don't take into account the difficulty that that has, and the, the times that we just, hey, you know, our, our friend calls up and says, hey, let's go grab a beer or, hey, I got an extra ticket to the ball game. Let's go out. Those impromptu times, because when you're forming new friendships, those impromptu times are less likely to happen. And those impromptu times often are those things that bring us a lot of joy right? That, yeah, hey, great. It's a Friday night. I didn't have anything planned. Let's go see the Timberwolves, right? Um, Those are fantastic times. But if you don't have that set of friends who are close to you, you're less likely to have those and you have to work at building up those friendships now people at different stages of their life that may not be as big a deal different personalities may not be a big deal but for many people that could be a factor that isn't necessarily taken into account or
0: how difficult it might be uh to take that in account so if someone says well i still want to move i'm still Mm -hmm. going to move What tips can we offer them? How can we help them make good decisions about about making this this change in their life? And again, going back to the original statement, evolutionary wise, humans are migratory. It happens all the time. People survive, you know, it's good. But how can we make the best decisions?
1: Yeah, I think there's an aspect of, making sure that you're moving for the right reasons right that again you study the current environment and the current motivation that you have to move so make sure that you're not overly focusing in on a aspect that is transitory that yeah. is may not necessarily last more than a small point of time and and really search that
0: make sure that you're fully exploring what it is that you're moving for? Well, I was gonna say you know I live in Minnesota, you live in Minnesota. I don't like living in Minnesota for the winters. I don't like the winters. I don't like shoveling snow. I don't like dealing with it. Um, so I, I think it would be valid to, to move to a place where to say I'm looking for a place that doesn't have snow. that would yeah. be okay. but to say I don't like I don't like cutting my grass you know, I'm going to, there's a lot of places to live in the world that I'd still have to cut my grass. Well, you could move to a apartment and there you go. And I could do that right here. I wouldn't have to move to a different city. I could actually just, just do that right here. So, so there are, there are ways of uh, carefully thinking through the situation that you're in, right. To, to decide why, what is the real motivation? What, what's the most effective reason to, to want to move?
1: Well, and, and to, kind of lay out what are the things that you like about where you currently are living and what are the things that you don't so for you you talked about shoveling snow and various different things and make sure you you understand that and so that you're not just moving and then all of a sudden you realize oh yeah, I, I still have to shovel snow and it's still not any better because I thought maybe moving to Boise would be better. But these are the things that really irked me about it. And I might have given up some of the things that I really appreciated about being in that place. So really do the analysis about what why you're moving and what it is about your current location that you like or don't like. Yeah. What other tips, Tim?
0: I think the maybe the second best thing to do is going to be to talk to people who are living there right now. Mm. Not not that have lived there, but are actually living there right now. What's it like for them to get up and get to a, a coffee shop or do their shopping, uh, you know, to get to a local retailers and access to pharmacy and food and and what's their social life like and things like that? What is it like for them in the moment, not what they're remembering that they did? And actually get some perspectives for what it's like to do it right now. That, that's that's invaluable, right? Right. And I think Dan Gilbert has done a lot of this work
1: of like people trying to pick a profession. And we make assumptions about what professions are like. And he said the best way of understanding that is just talk to somebody who's doing that profession right now and ask them about it. Because the ideas that have formed in our head about what something is like – are biased because of our pre-held beliefs, you know, media and whatever else is going on out there. And it doesn't necessarily reflect the reality of what is going on in that location. So reach out. Figure out a way to find somebody in Boise, Idaho, or or Santa Clara, California, or (laughs) Minneapolis. If you're thinking of moving to Minneapolis, Minnesota, give Tim or me a call. We'll tell you. We'll we'll tell you all about it. Happy to. Happy to. Just don't call in January. (laughs) (laughs) You can call me. I'm a big snow guy. You can call me. Actually, call in January and get both of our opinions, and then you have to weigh that out. Okay, Kurt. What do you say we wrap this up? Sounds good, Tim. So let's start with the basic facts. People are leaving big cities to just get away for a little while and possibly to permanently move their residents in this work from home anywhere world that we are now living in, particularly for white collar employees. And certainly the motivation to move springs from the belief that life will be better somewhere else.
0: Well, we often start with this checklist of must haves, and we're deciding where the optimal location will be. And that's a good use of decision utility. The trouble is, we might be weighting the must haves based on our last trip to a very beautiful location, you know, basically just remembering. And we know the remembering utility is just not so accurate. Right. Our remembering utility is not paying attention
1: to how accessible the coffee shops and the workout facilities are, or how much noise there is after
0: dark in the touristy parts of town. We just remember that we had a really good time while we were visiting. Another problem comes from the focusing illusion, and that was demonstrated by Danny Kahneman when he discovered that people living in California didn't have as high a satisfaction level as people who lived in the Midwest thought they'd have if they'd moved to California. So even California's basically bought into the idea that they were happier, even though they weren't. Dan Gilbert put it this way. Whatever you think will make you happier
1: in the future is untrue. This is mainly true because we do a really bad job of assessing what makes us happy right now. So how could you anticipate a future even as well if you can't antici- or You can't even figure out the, the present,
0: right? It's nearly impossible. Absolutely, and Dan Butner reminded us that wealth and status—well, it's just not all that's cracked up to be. The people who live in Denmark are the happiest people on the face of the earth, and they have a seventy percent marginal tax rate, and not the best weather either. Yeah, you know. All right, so
1: you're going to make the best decision if you're able to evaluate what works and what doesn't work for you in your current location, and figure out what will or won't change by moving to the new location. And it's important. If you're really, really serious about making the move, talk to people who already live there, who are living there right now. Ask them questions about their lifestyle, about these things that you have just looked at that are important to you. Ask them what it is to live
0: in a in work there at this point in time. So let's end with some simple wisdom from one of our favorite researchers, George Loewenstein. Just keep this simple idea in mind. Over time, novelty wears off. So with that, have a great week and keep on grooving.